Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about three reasons why you might want to consider holding out for the right job. We have done episodes before on quitting, but never one on holding out and never episodes that speak to why you might want to consider staying. Not trying to make you decision anxious here, but this may be your episode if you are unsure whether or not to make the leap. Today, I brought on Clara Chorley, founder of Clarity Unlimited. The world needs more good people with integrity who are in positions of power. And for over a decade, Clara has coached hundreds of experienced professionals into fulfilling careers where they are valued and have meaningful influence and impact. Clara's unique international background spans five continents in 48 countries, working with professionals from humanitarian, business, and multiple Fortune 100 companies. She's a career coach, TEDx presenter, and author of Turn Four Steps to Clarity in Your Career. Clara is also a good friend of mine and valued partner of Let's Eat Grandma. She's also a featured career coach within our Career Compass Bundle AMAs. So if you order those AMAs, you will get the chance eventually to work with her in a group setting. So I hope you're going to enjoy this podcast as much as I will. I absolutely love hearing Clara speak, and I think the insights she's going to bring to this podcast are going to be incredible. So without further ado, this is episode 211 of the Career Warrior Podcast. Clara, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Chris. So I am excited to talk about this concept here, and I want to prime people right now for what we're going to be talking about. What do people say to themselves to justify taking a job they know isn't right for them? They say things like, well, at least I'll be working. They say things like, well, I'll be getting a paycheck. I don't have to worry about the paycheck. They say things like, well, no, it's, I, I don't think it's the right thing, but maybe I'm just being oversensitive. I'm probably just overthinking this whole thing. And, it, you know, if, I'll do, if I just make myself stronger or thinking more positively, it'll be all right. They say things like, what if this is the only offer I ever get right. ever again? And they also say things like, I don't think I can keep on looking. I'm done. I'm out. So these internal things that we are telling ourselves seem to come from a rational place or an emotional place? Because it sounds fairly emotional. Varies. It can be. It's usually a combination. I mean, there's often something rational in there. You know, some people's situations. The justification, right? Exactly. They're trying to make sense of something and often get themselves out of uncertainty. People's relationship with uncertainty is it kind of drives the direction that they go in in most areas of their lives. Emotional, it's often justified by rational, or sometimes it is somewhat rational, but it often hasn't happened yet. Often the things that people are afraid of happening haven't actually happened. They haven't found out that they've never got offered another job. They're not in a bad financial situation. They're just afraid that they eventually will be. Or they might just be afraid that they can't really have what they want because they've got years of experience not having it. So a lot of these decisions are driven by the sort of like self-care, self-preservation instincts. So we're bringing out this scenario. So this hypothetical scenario with the context of I have been offered a job, right? So there's that one job that I'm really considering right now. And I am tempted to or there's a chance that I'm going to make the hasty decision to take it, even though I should consider holding out. Correct. That's what we're talking about. Yes. I think about my tolerance to uncertainty. I think about, okay, so here's an example. I think about the time when I was graduating from college 
and I entered into my first semester of senior year and I tend to have a lower tolerance for uncertainty. I, my brain is always trying to figure things out and trying to always know exactly what's going to happen. I like a plan. I want to know what's going to happen in a year from now, five years from now. And with my low tolerance to uncertainty, I felt like I had to take the first few job offers that came my way. Whereas there was a whole nother career fair and a whole nother slew of companies that were going to present themselves in the spring semester. But I didn't want to wait until then because I felt like I had to make the decision that these were the job offers I was going to get. Does that example speak along the lines of what we're going to be talking about today? Well, I mean, different phase of life, right? If you've just come through college and you want to get yourself in the mm -hmm. workforce and you want to get some experience, I think that's a little different than you've been in the workforce for a few years or a few decades. Right. And you've got some experience, you know, sort of what it is you do, and you've seen some mm -hmm. of the patterns in the places that you've worked or the people that you've worked with. And by that, I mean, oh, I consistently managed to have horrible bosses. Like I've had three jobs and in all of those situations, my bosses were horrible. They didn't listen, they micromanaged, whatever the personality traits were, or they didn't mentor yeah. me or help me in any way. When you start to see sort of patterns in your working history and you've been through a working history, it's like any relationship. You start to sort of create fears and concerns and resistances inside yourself because you don't yeah. want to go through it again, right? You, now you've got to find another job, but you don't want to go through that pain again. So I think fresh out of college, you're a little bit more like, okay, I'm just going to see what happens. And there's a resilience there or a resilient naivety maybe. or a, You just don't know. You really don't know. You don't know. You know, we never know, but as we have experiences, we start to think we do. Yeah, I bring that example. It's just, it's mostly my own, you know, I guess just anxieties, I guess is the right word, but like the wanting to know the answer. And I feel like that might tempt some people to take that job that they just got, whereas they might want to hold out and pick something that's just better suited to them. Because I know there are a lot of people, and this could be the nature of the situation with the pandemic and the shifting of industries and all that's happened in the last year. But there are people who are going to possibly have to compromise on their own alignment with the company that they want or their quote unquote dream job. I really wanted with this episode to guide people to make the best decision for them. And that's one reason why I'm glad that you brought this to the table today. It's like you want to make the right decision that's going to be good for them. It's not going to be perfect necessarily because, you know, perfection is subjective. And I think the idea of a dream job really is too. But we really want to make people make the right decision for them. We really do. I have this expression, and this fits with the story that you just told, which is people don't run out of opportunities. They run out of steam. And the process of finding that great job means researching, talking to people, outreach, yeah. getting rejected, doing it again, getting up the next day, pretending you're all right, keeping going. Mm -hmm. And people run out of steam before they run out of opportunities. I haven't yet had a client who's been like, there's no more jobs out there. It's like it hasn't happened. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, yeah. even though we think, and often timeframes get in the way, right? They're like, well, I've been mm -hmm. looking for three months. If I'm not hired by now, I should take this one. Or I've been looking for eight months if I'm not hired by now. Or I had one client who'd been looking for like six years. I mean, but you've got to okay. stay in the game. Let's talk about why. You want to talk about why, why stay in the game? The three great reasons. Yeah, I was going to say that's a perfect segue here. So <laughs> let's talk about these three reasons to hold out for the right job. What's our number one, Clara? Number one is one that is not going to surprise anybody. If you don't and you take the wrong job, what are you going to be facing in a year to two years? Job seeking. You're going to have to do it all again. Yeah. You don't want to do this again. Trust me. You really don't want to. It'll be a nice reprieve in the moment. You'll feel better for about 10 seconds. 
And then you'll start thinking, oh, good God. And the thing is, when you're in a job that you know isn't right for you, something's going to happen. You're going to get laid off. You're going to get fired. You're not going to bring your best. Other things are going to conspire for you to end up not there. So just from a sort of practical and emotional, mental, spiritual well-being standpoint, one great reason to stay, to hang in there until you find a job that you know is a great fit for you. And we should talk about what a great fit job is, by the way. Like we should talk about that. Is you will have to look again. You will sooner than you want to. So that's number one. Let's unpack that a little bit. Like what a great job is for me, I think is this nebulous concept and something that a lot of people don't realize. For me, I mean, just the college example, sure, I had no idea what was the right job for me. But after getting some experience after that, I think I had some semblance. But let's say I don't have the perfect idea of what that is. How would I know? So this is where my matrix comes in. I know you and I have talked about the matrix probably Mm -hmm. more times than you've wanted to. But I designed this this four-quadrant matrix because when people think about the ideal job, they often think about the work they're going to do and they might think about what they're going to get paid or how far they've got to commute or what the travel percentage is. But the ideal job, is you not compromising on the things that matter most to you. And we will talk more about this with the other, sure. the other two points. But very briefly, there are four important aspects to the ideal job. One is the kind of organization, and that's a lot of details, right? That could be the size, the mission, the values that they practice internally. It's the people is the second one. What's the culture like? What's your boss like? What are your coworkers like? The third one is the work itself, which is where most people focus because they're thinking about their resumes and the bullet points and so, yeah. on and so forth. And then the fourth one is the other area they think about, which is the benefits, which is the pay and the health insurance and all this kind of stuff. If you scan those four quadrants and you really look into what really matters to you, and this is very personal because for some people, they're like, I don't really care what the company does as long as my boss is great and my work is predictable. Some people are like that. Other people are like, I don't want to work for a company that isn't mission-driven. I have to have that because otherwise I, something in me dies a little death every day. Yeah. So when you look at those four quadrants and there's a way of going through this process, sort of mining your past experiences to really okay. get introspective about who you are, what you value and what you need in order to function well in the world. Definitely. You look at those four quadrants, you pull out maybe two or three things that are super important. Culture is often a big one that gets skipped over by people. I just got to get to work. I just got to get this company to hire me. Well, what's the culture like really internally? Find that out. So you break it down to sort of two, three, three or four really, really key things. And you can sort of let some of the other things go or deal with them when you get there or have them come up in interview questions and so on and so forth. But there are deal breakers. So is two the magic number here with these quadrants here? Because when I think of the four quadrants, I think, okay, I need to have all of these. But you're saying that as long as I can prioritize in my head, what are the two most important ones are, then I could let the other ones still be important, but they don't have to be a main focus. Is that what you're getting at? I don't think I would say it's definitely two and have people try and cram their value system into those, but it is a low number. And what I found with the people that I work with is usually they need a really good culture. And they need to have some autonomy in their work so they can actually get their job done. Because a lot of people are coming out of positions in companies, in organizations where they're just, their wings are clipped. And it can be for all kinds of reasons. You know, it can be because they're 
a woman of colour. It could be because they're not at a senior enough level. It can be because their boss micromanages, right? There's tons and tons of reasons why. But usually there's, like, it's got to be great people close to you and it's got to be the, the leadership and your ability to do your job has to be there. And then probably in the job, I mean, for a lot of people I work with, they don't want to be too in the weeds. They don't want to be too in the right. operations, right? They want to be in the strategy. So what you actually have control over in your job is going to really matter as well. So probably it's one thing from each quadrant. It's probably more like four, three or four things. So let's talk about the second reason. What is the second reason why we should hold out for our next job? The second reason is resilience, building resilience inside of ourselves. And I was looking up like, what is the definition of resilience? So resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulty. Mm -hmm. It's toughness. And resilience is directly correlated to the quality of our lives. Think about the times that you have, or anybody listening, think about a time when you went through something tough. And I mean, went through it. So if you're in it right now, maybe many are, let's not think about the now, but go back a little bit pre-pandemic. And mm -hmm. when there was a time in your life when you went through something really difficult, but you hung in there and you didn't handle it perfectly, but you were sort of proud of the fact that you hung in there and you felt good on the other side. And somehow having gone through it, whether it was a relationship breakup, whether you got fired. I mean, I, I was fired from a job once. I didn't think I'd get through it. And I did. Mm -hmm. And there was something better on the other side of that. So remember those times when you got through something that was hard. And even whittle it down. Like I have a client who, so we were talking about her master resume, which I think most of your, your, your uh, people listening know are familiar with, right? And I was trying to get her to do sort of this general resume and these other steps and she wasn't doing it. She's like, I'm just used. She'd been in the same job for 15 years. And she said, I'm just used to things being easier. She kept putting this thing off. Anyway, one week she showed up and she's like, I did my resume. And she said, I can do this. Like it really lifted her up, that little thing. And then I had another client who was working actually doing a lot of strategic partnership with oil and gas organizations and wants uh -huh. to shift to another company. But having a bad experience in this organization, sort of an overarching company as a woman, she wasn't getting enough of the respect that she wanted. And so when we started talking about what she wanted next, she took it to the other extreme. She's like, I just want to be a trainer. I just want to do facilitation. I want to help people with their correspondence and to deal with conflict. She totally let go of all the strengths and the skills of strategy and working with these partners and dealing with high-level VPs in these companies. She let all of that stuff go because of her experience. But eventually, as we went along, and she stuck at it, she stuck at the coaching, she stuck in the conversation, she kept researching and looking, yeah. she finally got back to, actually, yeah, I do want to work in communications. I want that to be a part of it, but I want to do strategic partnering and my sales brilliance in a company where I am going to really fit and thrive. So in that process... She said to me, she's like, I'm starting to really realize the value that I bring and my experience and who I really am in the face of all of this. That's sure. resilience. And we get that. You can build resilience just from going through the job seeking process, just from sticking yep. at it and not quitting and taking that job that in your gut and your heart, you know, is not right <laughs> for you because you're afraid yeah. of something probably that hasn't happened yet. And just to tag on to that, the value that we get from resilience is just so powerful already because what can I use with that resilience? I can take that same strong mentality and that strong attitude and apply it to everything I do to the next job I'm a part of when it gets tough 
to learning soft skills when I'm or learning a hard skill when I'm frustrated. It's taking so long for me to learn some sort of coding language, but the resilience can carry through. And so I think that's encouraging for a lot of job seekers who are going through this grueling process and dealing with all of the rejection and that it not working out and realizing a job was not the right fit for them and realizing that those efforts and all that pain is not in vain. And it's something that we can take to apply for the rest of our life. So brilliant example. I think that's awesome. And I love that you just said that. It reminds me, I just want to share this other quick story. So this is a client I work with called Ken and his last two positions, this was the classic bad boss stuff. And he has worked in a lot of cultures where there's a lot of sort of looking up to your bosses, a lot of deference, and his people-pleasing was like off the charts. But his boss didn't know what he was doing. So he kept making these decisions about data science and how that was going to impact the company. This was a big company, well-known company. Mm-hmm. And so my client was just, his back was hurting. He wasn't sleeping at night. He was constantly managing his boss. He was spending more time managing this guy that he was doing his job right and it was really depleting him and so we talked about getting him out of there anyway long story short not only did we sort of he ended up find, uh, getting a job in a well-known organization in singapore so he moved to singapore and he went in a director level but in this process we looked at the people pleasing we looked at all that behavior as to why he kept being in those situations and what was so surprising in some ways surprising in some ways not about the transformation was firstly in the new job he found himself a great boss because that was a must-have for him he's like I can't keep doing this it's got to be someone that supports me and who knows what he's doing the second thing that happened and this is deeper he started to identify the correlation between the bosses he was attracting and his relationship with his father and when he moved back to Singapore Singapore that's where his father and his mother were And he started to come up against all this pressure about, you've got to know, you should be moving home, not renting. You should be living with us because that's Mm. part of the culture. And he was able for the first time to say, I need to be in my own place. He took a stand to take care of himself and he found a way to go spend time with his parents so that they they would see him. Yeah. That was, I mean, and he's, you know, he's still dealing with this dynamic with his father, but a significant change that ripples out for him as a man, as a son, as a potential husband it's really this resilience changes everything in some ways that's amazing one of my favorite things to talk about in general but with you i know that's something that we've talked about in the past and even on personal one-on-one conversations so i will go and preach resilience day and night because it's one of the most powerful things we can have not only as job seekers but as human beings so that's amazing so claire let's hear about number three what is the third reason Number three is you get your integrity back. Get your integrity back. Looked up integrity as well. The quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, the state of being whole and undivided. For me, when I'm talking about integrity, I'm talking about trusting yourself. You get to trust yourself. Like people who know me, if I say, like recently, I was like, I think I'm going to start this writing group for women who want to start writing their stories and just we'll create a little Zoom room and we'll do all of that. Yeah. Or if I say, it's Tanzania, I'd like to, people know it's going to happen, which is nice that people trust that what comes out of my mouth is probably going to be shortly followed by what I do. But more importantly than that, I know it's going to happen because I trust that when something matters to me and is important to me, that I'm going to be a yes to that and I'm going to do what it takes to make it happen. Integrity, it builds your confidence it makes your health better. 
you meet great people along the way because you meet people that also then do what they say they're going to do and there's this sort of matching that goes on. And there's something that happens, I've seen this a lot in the job seeking journey, where people are out of integrity with themselves because they know what they need to do, but guess what? They're not doing it. They're not doing it, right? They're not doing it. And that puts you out of integrity with yourself and that's a confidence hit. It's gotta be bad for your mental wellness too. It really is. You start to second guess yourself. You yeah. don't believe it. It makes you less likely to say you're gonna do something because you don't wanna let yourself down. Like the ripple effect of this is, is really important. I've been working with a client recently and for literally probably six months, and I say this because it was quite a long time, might even have been eight months actually, he had all this stuff he was gonna do and he wasn't doing any of it. And he would show up more and more kind of down on each call. And I can't make people do something, right? I mean, we can right. coach into different ideas and so on and so forth. So anyway, we had to take a different approach. But as we took that different approach, he was so scared, and this went way back for him. He was so scared of putting himself into situations with, where he could be rejected, like groups of people where he would find he didn't belong or he didn't fit. So networking becomes impossible. Reaching out to people becomes impossible. So he'd do the cover letters application, but anything that involved other humans, which you need to be doing when you're trying to find a job, he wouldn't do mm -hmm. it. Anyway, he started to do these things. He started to do them. He started to free himself up. He started to have more, oh, maybe I'll go on this side. Like he had some ideas about the industry he was in. He's also in data science. I attract like techie people and health people and education people. But anyway, um, he had these ideas and he, so he'd reach out to these different companies and he just found himself following through on his inspirations. Yeah. That's what integrity does. And you need those inspirations. Those inspirations yes. to your guiding light. That's your 80-20 rule. Yes. We'll talk about that in a second, but I, I wanted to bring the attention to the fact that integrity means more than, it's not as simple as like just doing the right thing when you're faced with a moral decision. It goes beyond just that. And the example that you've brought in regards to integrity, the overused phrase, staying true to yourself is so true. And you've given the best example of that and why it leads to your own wellness and your own confidence and other things like that. So you're saying this is essential, right? It really is. It really is. There's, there's this sort of theme with humans in general, and they want to live good lives and they want to generally have some ease in their lives and they want some, mm -hmm. some joy and some peace and some happiness and some connection with other people. Yes. This stuff's at the heart of it. This is at the heart of it. Saving yourself from things you don't want to do. So don't take a job that, you're not, you, don't, that you know is not right for you because you'll be back doing what you don't want to do sooner than you want to do it. Cultivating resilience inside yourself consciously and being in integrity showing yourself you can do the things that you know you want to do that you know are good for you our lives are full to the brim of stuff we don't want to do we don't have the luxury of that that's not mm -hmm. what being alive is a lot of people are like striving for those moments when they no longer have to do the things they don't want to do but they're not coming but there are peaks and troughs and in the peaks when we're oh, sorry in the troughs when we're like trying to get a job finding a way to do it in a way that Okay, let me give you one quick example. I was talking to a client the other day and he said, I don't have the time to do what I need to do for this job, but I really want this job. He really wants to get out of where he is. I said, what do you mean? What do you imagine when you say you don't have the time? He's like, I feel like I've got to sit down for two or three hours. I'm like, well, let's cut that out for a start. Let's take that pressure off you. You just do 10 minutes three times a week. You're going to get further than doing nothing because you've got this three hour time frame. So really designing your 
progress or your steps in a way that really fits your lifestyle, who you are, your personality, doing it in small baby steps that you can keep on going until I think it changes the game. Yeah, exactly. I want to ask two quick follow-up questions. These three reasons were great, by the way. And thank you for all the examples and, and personal stories that you've brought to light. I think people need to hear those things. I want to ask a question for the person who has a tough time making decisions, especially big life decisions. And we've given three reasons to hold back. And the last thing that I would want is for, we want people to be cautious, right? We want people to not be too hasty and pick the decision that's right for them. But what if on the other end, I am having a tough time making a decision on potential opportunities that I have in front of me. And it's just the fact that I'm afraid of making a decision in general. I get decision anxiety. What would you tell for people that go through that struggle themselves? When we get to the end of this, I have a gift for your listeners. We call that, there are five job-seeking personalities that I've noticed over the years. Mm -hmm. And one of them is called Muddy Mind. And that's sort of what you're speaking to now. It's like there's indecision and there's anxiety about making a decision. I've gone through it, so. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, we can all relate to it at different points in life. We live in community. We're wired for community. One of the biggest errors, and I see this a lot with job seeking, and I'm sure you do too in your conversations, is we hear it in your conversations. People isolate. There's this ongoing conversation about it just kind of looks like everybody else has got it and understands what they need to do, and I don't, yeah. or what's wrong with me? Right. And that is a gobsmacking lie. It's huge. It's just, it's such a lie. So the yeah, way you get especially when we go on LinkedIn and we see all of our friends posting, I just got my dream job, which is great. I'm not crapping on those people, but when we see that, we feel like, why don't I have my act together? You know? Which is fine. We tell ourselves those things. We totally do. And then we find it hard to bounce back from that. Because when you see those posts and each time you see those posts, you let them hit you down a little bit, you're down on the mat again. It gets harder and harder to get back up. Rather than going, that's cool. Good for them. Awesome. Now back to work for me, right? Then you've got to remove the comparison. But the reason I'm saying we live in community is because when we're struggling, when we're anxious, when we've got limitations, we need to reach out. We need to reach out. Getting clear about what you want and what those core deal breakers, and not only knowing that, but having the courage to stand by them is very difficult to do alone. Mm -hmm. It's why people hire coaches. It's why people talk to their friends. It's why people join job-seeking groups or go to meetups. Yeah. You've got to take yourself out of your own little world. Talk to, if you're worried about your money, talk to somebody who understands money and can help you think it through. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with clients who they're like, I've got to get hired in four months because my money's going to run out. Three and a half months later, well, okay, I looked at my money. I'm going to be okay. <laughs> like, right. All right. So they took a deeper dive and they yeah. really got real about it. So yeah. Yeah, really. You're so right. You're so right about all this. The fact that, and I have my own council of people who I tend to go to more. I'm not as vocal as I probably should be. So this is a good reminder. Thank you. I probably should be more open and sharing, but I do have the people that I go to more often. And even though they may not give me the answer verbatim, just being able to tell the story of what has been going on and where I am in my life like to actually vocalize and have the words physically come out of my mouth has given me a lot of clarity and talking it through with them. So I think that's a brilliant insight. Yeah, it's true. And that's going to be hard for some people because some people are super isolated and feeling Uh really alone and so on. So if that's the case, 
find some online forums where you can go talk, change your screen name, like find a way that connects you with other people who are having a similar experience or can give you some advice. But sitting and trying to figure it out yourself when you haven't managed it for X amount of time is a trap, Mm -hmm. not one you want to get stuck in. So Claire, I want to ask another question here. Say I'm a listener, I'm in the perspective of someone who has already made that decision or they fear that they have chosen the wrong job for them. I know there probably are people who chose this title because they fear that that may be them. And I don't want to give them unnecessary stress, but help them out if they feel like that's a situation they've been in. But what do I do if I have chosen the wrong job or situation? So in your scenario, they're already in it or they've accepted it. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, they're already in the job. I'm very careful with uh, responding to general questions like this. It's why I love one-on-one coaching because there is complexity in not only in people's lives and situations, yeah. but in their in who they are. And those complexities must be taken into account when Agreed. making a decision. That said, on a very high level, if you know you're in the wrong job, and you know, there was a study done, I don't even remember the exact numbers, but it was something crazy like on day two of starting their new job, 75% it is probably too high. 65% of people are looking for a new job. I mean, it's really, oh, it's like, wow. it's really high. <laughs> so, so it's not just the one listener who feels isolated right now. It's, like, it's other people. <laughs> don't, don't worry. This is a pandemic, right? I mean, we've got a pandemic mm-hmm. of people taking jobs they don't want at companies they don't like. And it's mm-hmm. way, way too common. It's why I'm doing what I do so we can get less of that happening and there are companies that are caring more about people. So, that, you know, it's slowly, the industries are slowly turning around. But yeah, I would say just get four stages. Clarify, verify, explore, engage. Don't just go throwing around looking for a job. Start at clarify. To figure out what you want. Get some help with it if you can't do it yourself. Yeah. Clarify what you want. Then start to explore if it's out there. Verify that it's out there. Then go explore and have conversations. But this is a longer. Sure. Those four stages are the essence of the process. So if you know you're in the wrong job, figure out what's wrong about it, get clear about what you don't want to compromise next time and go look. And that's great. And I would say that there are, I asked the example too, because I've worked with people on their resumes before who had a three year history at one company and then they left that company and started working for another for just a short two month stint and realized that it was the wrong job for them. And so I have these people that are worried about, oh gosh, how do I portray this on my resume? But even to those people, I would say it's okay to realize you made the wrong decision and move on to the next thing. And even technically don't have to put that job on your resume. It's not like you have to include every single position you've done in your entire history, at least where we are submitting resumes in the types of companies here in the US. We don't have that as a requirement legally. And it's just, it's a marketing piece at the end of the day. There is a way to overcome it. Have no fear. And I would say, go back to what Clara says about just getting clarity and realigning. I think that makes sense. I just want to add one thing on that. This is another one of those sort of lies that are out there. There's this idea that people have of the ideal employee and the ideal employee can do every single thing on that impossible job description and they can do it really well and they haven't had any gaps in their careers and they've never been fired and i think being fired is cool but it's a rite of passage but anyway (laughs) and they've not 
taken their career down a notch because they went and worked in a restaurant for a while, right? There's this expectation that if those things are me, people aren't going to want me. But there are these intangibles that employers, good employers, maybe not the top Fortune 50 companies, but not everybody wants that environment. Right. There are a lot of employers that want people who are resilient, who have integrity, who can learn on the job, who can sit there in a cover letter and say, or can say in their cover letter, here's why I had a gap. I made a mistake. They respect that. They respect the humanness. And here's the other really important thing. This is a good note for us to end on. When you meet your match in an interview or a conversation, you cannot untangle from them. It's going to go. It's going to go the entire way. Because when you belong to the right place, when they find you and you find them, you'll figure it out. And that's all you're looking for. You're looking for that click. You're looking for that conversation where you and they know and you'll feel it and they'll feel it and your imperfections won't matter. Your only job is to get yourself into as many conversations, good fit conversations as you can (laughs) until you find that match. I love it. Thank you so much for all of the insight you've brought so far to this episode. I'll ask a question and I don't think, I actually don't know if I asked it to you when you were last on the episode, but my favorite way of phrasing this question is if you could tattoo anything for our career warriors who are struggling or looking to land the next job and they've just been dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety, what would that one message be? What would that one tattoo be? I am resilient. It's like this reminder that all they're doing is looking for a job. This is not rocket science. It's just boring and difficult. And you're at the mercy or you feel like you're at the mercy of other people's whims and decisions that aren't true about you. You're just looking for a job. It's okay. You're resilient. I'm resilient. I'm going to get through this. I'm just going to keep on going. I'm going to stay in this battle for a little bit longer. I'm resilient. You know, out of all the tattoo suggestions I've had, that might be one I actually might consider for myself. So that's awesome. That is so good. And I appreciate everything that we've talked about today. And this is one of the reasons why I love having conversations with you is you bring so many stories and insights and examples for people to relate to. And I think that this episode was really good for people to give them some encouragement and give them something to think about when they're presented with opportunities that they have, which they don't know if they're going to be good or bad, but they are opportunities nonetheless. So Clara, thanks for coming on. How can we find out more about you and what you're up to? Thank you so much, Chris. I love talking with you. I love our conversations. Let me offer this to your people. The website is clarityunlimited.com and then slash best self. If you go to that link, clarityunlimited.com, slash best self. What you'll find is a sign up form and it's for a complimentary mini program that I created where you will learn the five job seeking personality types. And this is behaviors that generally aren't helping people do their, they're slowing down the job seeking effectiveness, Mm -hmm. basically. So the five job seeking personalities, you'll take a quiz, you'll find out which one belongs to you, and then you will identify and learn some positive habits and traits that you can start implementing that will transform that job-seeking behavior. And it'll be specific to the one that your quiz reveals for you. There's a little bit more to the program. You get a little bit of a plan that you've, you design for yourself. It's incredibly simple. Don't be thrown off by the word plan. And at the end of that program, you'll have the opportunity, if you want to, 
to sign up for Matrix. For those of you that are unclear or struggling with the clarity piece, you get the Matrix process. That sounds good. And I will vouch for everything that Claire has been doing over and over. I've known her since 2017, January, where we first met and she was a speaker at our Job Seekers Conference. Normally, I don't riff off of our partners doing so much, but I just I know so much about Claire and what she's done, and I truly do vouch for everything and how awesome and how knowledgeable she is as a career satisfaction expert, as a career coach. She is awesome. Thank you so much. I always leave our conversations Welcome. just feeling really good about myself. <laughs> Me too. We should, that's why we, should, we should just do this just to feel good about ourselves. I agree. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, Clara Chorley of Clarity Unlimited, thank you so much for coming to the show today. Thank you, Chris. Perfect. And for you listeners, this wraps up episode 211 of the Career Warrior podcast. I will, of course, make sure to include the URLs, as I always do, that were mentioned in this episode here. So make sure whenever you're done jogging or driving to check those out. I took a peek at the hyperlinks earlier and realized that there were a little bit of an error there. But if you click into the actual episode itself, scroll down, and you'll find the hyperlinks you can click directly into to find any of those links. So Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We have an amazing episode coming up about not comparing yourself to others, and that is coming up in April. Can't wait to see you then. That wraps it up for today. Go out, be warriors. Career Warrior Podcast. And for more on your job search, please make sure to check out Let's Eat Grandma's website at letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. That's where you can find her blog, attend job seeker events, and learn more about her awesome resume services. Let me just say, I'm happy you're subscribed on Apple or Spotify, but you are missing out if you haven't seen the additional resources on our website. Once again, that's letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. And please don't forget to leave a review. The support from my fellow warriors is what will help me get noticed and what will help the algorithm so other job seekers can discover us too. I promise I read all the reviews and you will just make my day. That's all. I'll see you next episode this Monday morning. 